We're going to look at a verse of Scripture. You're welcome to open your Bible this morning, but you may not need to, because I suspect most of you have this one memorized. John 3.16. One December, my fourth grade Sunday school teacher challenged us to memorize the entire Christmas story from Luke chapter 2 in a week. I was in the fourth grade. I mean, didn't this guy know we had homework in the fourth grade? Well, it really wasn't that much homework, but for a fourth grader, it seemed like it was a lot. I, I remembered in third grade, we, we did crafts and colored pictures. Now he was wanting us to do homework in Sunday school. Where'd that come from? The sermon on that particular Sunday was a Christmas-themed sermon. I don't remember everything the pastor said, but I do remember him saying that the entire Christmas story was contained in this one verse, John 3.16. And as he said that, I looked around at my Sunday school teacher. And I said, you know, you're making us memorize Luke chapter 2 when I could have just memorized John 3.16 and I already have that one memorized. Well, there's nothing wrong with memorizing the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2, which I did, by the way. I don't still have it quite all the way memorized, but I have it ready for that next Sunday. But I've never forgotten the statement that the pastor made that Sunday, that John 3.16, perhaps the most familiar, most memorized passage of the Bible, contains the entire message of Christmas. Here's the verse. You know it well. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I learned that so well back in the fourth grade. I still have to say it from the King James Version. I have to get all the begotten's in there and the believers. I don't know how to say it another way. The more I think about it, though, the more I realize it's true. The entire message of Christmas is, in fact, contained in this verse. Actually, it's also helpful to read the next two verses, verses 17 and verse 18. They're less memorized, but they're vitally important to understanding what the Bible is is saying. So over the next three weeks, we're going to take a look at these three verses as we approach this Christmas season. It's an often misunderstood passage. And in fact, we will see that uh, this section of Scripture does contain the message of Christmas is simply this. Christmas means God gave his son. Fact is, God gave out of his deep love for you. For the first time in his gospel here in John 3.16, John uses a word that he will go on to use more than 36 times in his gospel. It's the the Greek word agapao, or you may be more familiar with the noun form of that word agape. It's a word that describes God's love for us, a love that was so deep that he gave us his son. In the language the Bible was originally written in, there are several words that describe love. There's words for brotherly love, words for romantic love, words for the love between friends. And then there is this word that John uses here, 
the strongest, deepest form of love. It's a love that's freely given. It's not earned. It's not deserved. It's the kind of love that God has for us. And nowhere is that illustrated more clearly than in this well-known verse, John 3.16. Paul describes the same truth in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, where Paul writes, God commends his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christmas is indeed a beautiful time of year. All the decorations are amazing. We just watched the show Christmas Light Fight. <laughs> Between the commercials, you'll see hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars spent on every kind of decoration imaginable. And maybe the beauty of those decorations is nowhere more evident than in the beautiful manger scenes, the nativity scenes that have these intricately carved and immaculately placed people and animals and carvings all in perfect position. Now, of course, we know it wasn't really that way. It was a manger, after all, a feed trough where our Savior was first laid. But it goes deeper than just the scene itself. It's not just that Jesus was born into humble circumstances, God sent His Son into our world knowing what was to come. God sent His Son into a world knowing that Luke chapter 2 meant Luke chapter 23. God the Father knew that the manger meant the cross. He knew what lay ahead for that little baby in Mary's arms. Now, why would God do that? Why would Jesus leave the amazing glories of heaven to be born in a feed trough? Why would he come knowing that the very people he came to save, the very people he loved, would spit on him, would reject him, and ultimately would crucify him? Why would he come knowing the stripes that would be on his back, knowing the thorns that would tear into his brow? Why did he come knowing that he would die abandoned and alone. Jesus came because that's how much he loves you. God gave his son because otherwise we would have no hope. Mary and Joseph were very careful on their journey to Bethlehem, it wasn't just that Mary was very close to giving child, but they knew the other part of the story. The angels had told them. Mary was carrying the Son of God. 
And then when they arrive in Bethlehem, having been forced to do that, to make that journey because of a law of taxation, they get there and there's no place to stay. No room where they can lay their head. No room where Mary can get any rest. The only place available was just fit for animals. And this was the night that the one who would deliver the world would be born. All heaven would celebrate. The angels would announce his birth. Scholars would would come from the east bearing gifts, welcoming a king. Shepherds would run through the streets telling everyone they saw that the Messiah had been born. But God knew what all of that really meant. God gave his son not to be an earthly ruler, but he gave his son to be a sacrifice. The manger meant the cross because there was no other way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16 is actually the spoken words from Jesus in answer to a man by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a part of the ruling elite of his day. The Pharisees not only were religious rulers, they were seen as civic rulers as well. They were the top of society. But Nicodemus had a question burning in his heart so deeply that that he was even willing to risk all of that position. Now, not very willing. He went to Jesus in the middle of the night. He was hoping that nobody saw him. But he had to find Jesus. To get an answer to a question, a question that had been nagging at his heart for weeks. And Jesus describes how a man must be born again, and that doesn't answer Nicodemus's question. It just gives him more questions. He says, how in the world can that be? It's impossible. And yes, it is. Impossible without Jesus. Jesus came so that anyone who would believe in him could have the impossible, could have everlasting life. That's how much God loves you. He loves you so much. That he would give his only son as a sacrifice for you. He loves you so much, he would send his son into a world knowing that he would be rejected, knowing that he would be laughed at, knowing that he would be mistreated, knowing that he would die 
God loves you so much that He wants you to have everlasting life. Now, now think about that. That's not just everlasting life, a life that lives forever. It, it is that. But it, everlasting life is life forever with God. God loves you so much, He wants to spend forever with you. Now we're coming to the holidays, so, you know, there's some people that we just as soon not be around during the holiday season. Matter of fact, we probably wouldn't want to be around the most of the rest of the year either. It's okay to admit it. There's some people you rub the wrong way too. They don't want to be around you either. There are some other people that, that we enjoy their company. We invite them over to dinner. We go out and play around the golf. But as much as you enjoy having them around, as soon as the last plate is, is finished and they go out the door and get in their cars, you're still kind of glad to have a little bit of time just there by yourself to get in your easy chair and rest for a little while. That's okay. And then there are those people you love dearly that you would never want to be without them. And yet, as much as you love them, you still send the kids out in the backyard to play for a few minutes so you can get a little peace and quiet. Folks, God loves you so much that He wants to spend eternity with you. And He's not just rooting for you to make it. He's not just cheering you on, hoping that you're going to get across the finish line. No, God made the way and it cost Him everything. It cost Him His only begotten Son. That's how much God loves you. That's how much He wants you to be with Him forever. That's how much He wants you to have the life He created for you right now. That's how much He loves you. With every stripe on the back of Jesus, with every thorn that pierced His brow, with every strike of the hammer on the nails in His hands and His feet, with every drop of blood spilled at Calvary. That's how much God loves you. And that's what Christmas means. For God so loved you that He gave His only begotten Son, that if you would believe in Him, you would not perish, but have everlasting life. That's how much God loves Heavenly Father, in this short, simple verse, a verse that we know so well, a verse that many of us memorized as children, 
a verse that most of us can quote from memory. In these simple words, you have placed the extraordinary meaning of Christmas. But that's how much you love us. Any of us that have ever held our own baby in our hands, we can't imagine the sacrifice that you made by giving your son. And yet, that's how much you love us. God, we pray that love would permeate everything that we do at this church. That as we speak together, as we serve together, we're going to have differences, we're going to have disagreements, but God, that those will always be covered by your love. And that as we go through the ministries of the season, as we give out baskets of food, as we invite the community to come hear the music of the season, as we do all the other things that are a part of this wonderful time of year, that, God, it wouldn't just be something we do because we enjoy it. It wouldn't just be something that we do because that's what we're supposed to do during the Christmas season. But, God, it would be something that we would do because we recognize how much you love us. Help us, Heavenly Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.